This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. This is Taylor Stevens, New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of Kick-Ass International Thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And Taylor, you know that we have uh, a son, daughter-in-law, and grandson that lives in Texas, right? Yes. So they live outside of Austin in a little town called Smithville. So this morning, for some odd reason, I'm not sure why, Julie, when she wakes up in the morning, always asks Alexa, which may cause all kind of trouble here, um, to tell her what the weather is for today. And then to, this morning, she asked for the weather in Smithfield, Texas. And I heard a high of 103, and I was choking when I heard it. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, 103, that's terrible. Hopefully it's cooler where you are. It is not. <laughs> I think today is supposed to be like 109, maybe. Oh my gosh. That's like Las Vegas. Oh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Probably. I think Vegas gets hotter for like has more, is supposed to have more days in the triple digits, but, or at least generally speaking. But this year, I just don't know because I think this is probably going to go down as one of our hottest years on record because we had, um, it started so early and it's we've had so many hot days and we haven't even hit the hottest day of the year the hottest month of the year yet which is august so it's generally hot in july no joke i mean we're used to that but normally by the time we get to these heat this heat it's been building for a while like slowly inching up but this year it just we had these heat waves come in and they never relented like oh we have a cold front coming in it's going to get down to the low 90s you know and it's just been relent. it's been so relentless that I have not left the house except like during the day at all for weeks except when I have to for like a doctor's appointment or you know to run an errand but even then it's from the house to the car to the thing, in the car, to the house, and, you know, there's no real outside time available. Geese don't even know who I am anymore. <laughs> I can like, just, I'm picturing, you, I'm picturing you sitting in your office or in the kitchen or something and looking out the window at the goats who are just, like, wobbling back and forth that every so often just tip over from heat exhaustion. <laughs> they, they tend to just do a lot of sitting around in the shade and uh, waiting till it gets cooler. Yeah more activity in the evening it's hot it's really hot out there and like when prior to when this heat kicked up I would have to refill the water troughs you know once every three or four days now I have to fill them every day like they're just drinking so much water it's it's a it's a lot it's hot but you know I'm grateful because we have water and we have shelter and we have an air conditioner that's working. So, you know, it's just, it is what it is. So when you refill the water troughs, are you carrying water or is there a hose that can reach them? I have a lot of hoses there. Okay. Um, yeah. Like 
I, I was going to put a post in the Facebook group one day because I was just so angry. I I have a lot of hoses out of necessity, and they're all like 100-foot hoses, and I hate them. I, I'm so grateful for them, and I hate them, and if I never have to use another hose in my life, it will still be too soon because the the law of hoses is if there is anything that hose can catch on or kink on, it will find it and seek it out. It will jump 10 feet across the thing and hook itself onto something just because it can. It's just maddening to me. And they're heavy when you're dealing with hoses that are that long. It's a lot of weight. And I'm just so over it. I hate them, but could not survive without them. So... The law of hoses. You you don't get that on many other podcasts. <laughs> no. I'll have to come up with a law of goats and law of geese and yeah. All right. Today I believe we're going to be talking about the law of plot holes. Yeah, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> the laws of plot holes. <laughs> Fire away. All right. So I guess we could call this episode Potholes, How to Fix, Find, and Write Your Way Around Them, I guess. Or we could call it Potholes Don't Panic. I don't know. But a few weeks ago, I was having a lovely conversation with another storyteller. They're not a novelist, but they have been writing stories in other formats for decades. Like they have a much longer and far more successful career than I have. So in terms of storytelling, you could say that they're the expert and I'm the novice, right? And it was just this really casual conversation. We weren't focused on any one thing in particular, but as just it's just the byproduct of being two storytellers in two completely separate um, industries, I guess you could say, that we sort of ended up swapping notes, comparing processes, just talking about things. And there was this point in which we had this hypothetical scenario that got raised as something that probably wouldn't work for a particular type of story. And when that came up, I was like, but you know, if you did this instead of that, it's really not that big of a deal because all you'd have to do is Make sure that you did X over here and Y over here so the setup existed. And then by the time you got to that scene, it would work. And this person just kind of stopped and looked at me and they like gave me this look like, I'm sure you've seen it on people's faces where it's a little bit of shock and they don't really know what to say to that. And it's taking them a while to, to sort through it. And then they're like, do you have any idea how rare that type of thinking is, that that alone would put you in the top 95% of the people who work in my industry. And that really surprised me because I was like, but isn't that the most obvious way to approach these types of inner story conflicts? And they're like, you'd think so. And then the conversation kind of moved on. And that was that. But later, like after I was back home and I was alone with my thoughts, I started thinking about that a lot more. And I started thinking about it in terms of instances that I've had dealing with other storytellers, authors, editors, in the vein of trying to solve plot holes. And I've 
watched so many people do this thing where they hit this story problem, something that's not going to make sense. And then they jump through this, these huge, elaborate hoops, offering these massive potential changes to write their to, to work their way around the issue. And these changes maybe would resolve that issue, but by changing them, then it alters other parts of the story and it turns it into something different. And then that would give rise to just this whole other rash of potential problems. So basically, like these story suggestions that they're offering to fix these immediate issues would require massive rewrites and restructuring that would then lead to second, maybe third round of fixes and what those fixes broke. And I've I've participated in those conversations and I've offered suggestions. Sometimes they've been accepted. But to me, this form of problem solving, it's just always felt like insanity. And of course it would, because I would be the one to have to figure out how to implement the sweeping sweeping ideas and actually do all that restructuring and rewriting. So I would see it as insanity. But that aside, this type of major overhaul thinking is so much work for so little benefit. And so it's always made more sense to me to resolve story problems, fix plot holes, sort out character inconsistencies by using the smallest possible method that I could find that would use the least, do the least amount of structural damage or create the fewest ripple effects. And it wasn't until I had that conversation that I realized that the reason why this has always left me baffled that people do this is because I had just assumed that my way of doing it, because in my opinion, it's the easiest way to do it and the simplest involves the least amount of work, would come naturally to others as well. But apparently it doesn't. Taylor, are you not familiar with the human race? (laughs) (laughs) I'm beginning to wonder and question, (laughs) honestly. There's so much about humanity that I don't understand. (laughs) But um, anyway, as I was thinking about all that, I realized that in all of these years, we've never really done a deep dive on how to find and avoid and fix plot holes. So I figured today I would make an attempt to do that, to to basically offer (laughs) our listeners what I consider to be one of the most powerful story tools you can have in your arsenal. And as with most things that I teach, I didn't know that I knew this until I had to start figuring out how to explain it. (laughs) So this is what I would consider to be a rough draft of a masterclass on fixing plot holes. And the way that I've done it is... I ran out of time, as per usual. So the first part of it's going to be pretty tight. And then because I didn't have time to finish, I'm going to be just (laughs) 
living and winging it and uh, it probably is not going to be as great but i'm hoping to be able to to build off of this and polish it and then do something more with it because i think that although i do try and make sure that anything we put on this show is going to have some value or benefit to our listeners otherwise what's the point some shows some topics have more value than others and i would rank this one as very high value extremely high value uh, but that's just me and, and we'll figure it out and see if you guys feel the same when we get there. But what we're going to do is we're going to just record it in one single session. It's probably at least two show episodes worth. And if we go on longer than what would be acceptable to us for a single uh, episode, we'll just cut it. And so if we have to cut it, then we'll just continue it on next week as next week's show. And that's how it's going to work for, for time. So that's what we're going to do. And now let's see how this goes. So to talk about fixing plot holes, we first have to make sure, as with all other things, that we have established a baseline understanding what a plot hole is. And so, of course, the first thing I did is went, Google, what do people say about plot holes, right? And so I found this uh, entry on Wikipedia that I felt was short, concise, and well-rounded enough to work as a starting point because it expresses a lot of what others would say they would consider to be a plot hole. So I'm going to read that in full and then continue from there. So according to this entry, in fiction, a plot hole or plot error is a gap or inconsistency in a storyline that goes against the flow of logic established by the story's plot. Plot holes are usually created unintentionally, often as a result of editing or the writer simply forgetting that a new event would contradict previous events. However, the term is also frequently applied incorrectly. For example, a character intentionally written to take irrational action would not constitute a plot hole, nor would loose ends or unexplained aspects of the story. Types of plot holes include Factual errors, these are historical anachronisms, incorrect statements about the world. Impossible events, something that defies the laws of science as established for the story's setting. Out-of-character behavior, a character acting in a way that, based on their understanding of the options available to them, would not realistic, they would not realistically choose. Continuity errors events in the story which contradict those established earlier. Unresolved storylines. One of the plot lines is not resolved by the end of the story or a character who is expected to reappear does not. So that is the wiki entry. And we know wiki is not the be all end all, but you know, it's a, it's a, I felt it was pretty robust. So I agree with that definition in part, and I disagree in part. And since it's important that we share a baseline understanding, I'm going to take a minute to explain what I disagree with and why, and then I'm going to provide a definition of my own. And you're absolutely free to disagree with my definition, but at least you'll understand where I'm coming from, and that will help make the rest of this easier to follow. So the wiki summary of a plot hole reads, in fiction, a plot hole or plot error is a gap or inconsistency in a storyline that goes against the flow of logic established by the story's plot. And this almost works, but it falls short of a definition we can use because it's missing a critical element. And this 
critical element will be easier to internalize once we get a tad bit further. So we're just going to put a pin in that and we're going to come back to it in just a bit. The wiki continues, plot holes are usually created unintentionally, often as a result of editing or the writer simply forgetting that a new event would contradict previous events. And I agree that plot holes are usually created unintentionally, but I disagree that they're often the result of editing. And I'm agnostic on the idea that they're often the result of writers forgetting what already exists in their material. We do forget stuff, but I don't think that that is the basis of most plot holes. And I do agree that those are valid reasons for why some plot holes come to be, but it's just that in my experience, they're not the primary reasons. They're not often or mostly the reasons why plot holes arise. And we're going to cover that in a little bit more detail too. Wiki continues. However, the term is also frequently applied incorrectly. For example, a character intentionally written to take irrational action would not constitute a plot hole, nor would loose ends or unexplained aspects of the story. And here's where my opinion begins to more seriously diverge. So to build off their own example... Deliberately writing a character to take irrational action, that doesn't preclude the irrationality from being a plot hole if the actions themselves or the motives during driving those actions aren't communicated in a way that allows the audience to suspend disbelief or if those actions and the motives driving them aren't clearly connected enough to the rest of the story to prevent story threads from fraying. So, and that same thing would apply to loose ends, unexplained details, and pretty much every other story element. And the point being that it really makes no difference to the audience if an element has been deliberately included or deliberately omitted. If that element isn't handled correctly, the audience is still going to perceive it as a plot hole. And when it comes to storytelling, perception is what matters, not the intent. So, I think it's really important to clarify that just because you've included an element deliberately doesn't count, means that it can't be counted as a plot hole. Not true. Wiki continues, the types of plot holes include factual errors, which are historical anachronisms or incorrect statements about the world, impossible events, something that defies the laws of science is established for the story setting, out-of-character behavior, character acting in a way that, based on their understanding of the options available to them, they would not realistically choose, Continuity errors, events in the story which contradict those established earlier, unresolved storylines. One of the plot lines is not resolved by the end of the story, or a character who's expected to reappear does not, etc. And these are not, uh, it's not a definitive list. It's just plot holes can be those things. And so I do see how all of those elements can create or lead to plot holes, but not every instance or occurrence of those errors will, or for that matter, even can be a plot hole. And I'm going to give you a few examples to help clarify what I mean. So here's the first one. As factually wrong as it would be to have a character switch off the safety on a revolver before firing off a shot, switching off the safety on a revolver is not in itself a plot hole. Rather, it's a mistake in fact, and one that will find your inbox filled with letters from angry readers, but still not a plot hole. However, If you have a character trying to shoot someone with a revolver, but that character loses the opportunity to take the shot due to a delay in not realizing that the safety was on, and because of that delay, the bad guy gets away, 
that's a plot hole. And for anyone not familiar with guns, it's because revolvers, which are those pistols you see in the Western movies that have those spinny cylinder thing with jigs in the center, they don't have safeties, at least not safety switch mechanisms that exist on semi-automatic, semi, semi-automatic handguns, which is what most people mean when they refer to safety. So if you have a character switch safety on a revolver, that is impossible. Well, not impossible. Some revolvers do have kind of safety mechanisms, but not the kind that most people are thinking of. And I think the probably the most famous example of this happening is in one of the Rambo books where uh, this does happen. and. It was such a big deal that the author had to put out a note explaining how it happened and how mortified they are and how embarrassed they are by it. But it was something that took place like in the very, 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 very final phases right before the book went to print. And they didn't do a double check to make sure that all the other elements that they were changing matched up. And that's how you get that mistake. So that's that's an example of the difference between something that's factually wrong and something that's factually wrong as a plot hole. So here's another one. We all know, or we should, that fire requires oxygen to burn, and that there's no oxygen in space, and thus a big fireball explosion in space is not a thing in any part of our known universe. So for any story that relies on our known laws of physics, fireball explosions in space are always going to be impossible events. But just because a story has a big, impossible event fireball in space doesn't automatically make that fireball a plot hole. But if there's a big space fireball explosion and the story relies on the shockwave to give the hero's small craft the propulsion it needs to escape danger, that's a plot hole. But here's another one. I recently saw a show that was set in, I think it was like the late 1800s. And in several scenes, part of the setting included chickens running around in the background. And it so happens I know an awful lot about chickens. And I immediately recognized those particular chickens as a breed that wasn't developed until the 1950s. So... Had this show actually been filmed in the 1800s, those chickens couldn't have possibly existed within it. And that makes them anachronistic. They are objects misplaced in time. But it would take some really special mental pretzel twisting to explain why those anachronistic chickens running around in the background created any kind of plot hole. So you see where I'm going with this, right? Here's where we return to that put a pin in it summary and take a look at the missing element. So every one of these errors, flipping the safety on a revolver, the big fireball explosion in space, anachronistic chickens, they are inconsistencies in a storyline that go against the flow of logic established by the story's plot. But as I think we've seen, None of these examples are plot holes in and of themselves. So what is the missing element? For a plot hole to be a plot hole, it 
not only has to be a gap or an inconsistency in a storyline that goes against the flow of logic established by that story's plot, that gap or inconsistency must also have a bearing on the plot. If it's not impacting the plot, it's not a plot hole. Some people, I'm guessing, I don't know, but we live in a very argumentative, like to pick out flaws, point fingers at people and say you're wrong world right now. Some people might argue that this is a distinction without a difference because that whole must have a bearing on a plot part of it. It's kind of implied by the term plot hole itself, right? But in my view, this distinction creates an enormous and fundamental difference. And that's for three reasons. One, like I've already argued, it's entirely possible to have gaps or inconsistencies in a storyline that go against the flow of logic established by the story's plot without those inconsistencies having any bearing on the actual plot itself. Two, when a plot hole is defined so broadly that just about any error of material fact could fit that definition, it becomes the literary equivalent of if everything is an emergency, then nothing is an emergency. And our goal is to find clear, concise, targeted solutions to story problems, or in this case, plot holes. And it's very difficult, if not impossible, to do that when that problem could be anything. Three, any material error that doesn't have a bearing on the plot is really easy to fix. You change detail, you correct some wording, you provide a little clarification, and you're good to go. So most storytellers who are struggling to fix and close potholes in order to salvage a story, they're not worried about those types of errors. The mistakes of fact, they do still need to be addressed and fixed. They're, just because they're not plot holes doesn't mean they get a free pass, but treating them the same way we treat plot holes would be like trying to patch a nail hole by replacing texturing and matching the paint on an entire thing of drywall. So in my opinion, we will be far better served by very clearly separating, making the categories distinct so that mistakes of fact are an entirely different subject and treated completely differently with their own individualized solutions instead of lumping everything that qualifies as doesn't work, doesn't make sense under one big umbrella called plot holes, right? So I'm trying to separate out and eliminate things that others might consider plot holes, but which don't really matter as much. They don't, they're not as hard to fix and they don't upend the story when you get them wrong. So for the sake of clarity, for the sake of focus, the definition I'm going to offer and that we're going to use here is this. A plot hole is any factual character or logic error upon which a story depends and which, if corrected, would cause one or more story threads to unravel. And what this means for us is that a plot hole is only a plot hole if it fits, fills two criteria. One, it is a factual character or logic error that has a bearing on the plot. And two, if you can fix that error without having to change any other part of the story, it's not a plot hole, it's just a mistake. So 
The second part of that criteria is it has to have a bearing on the plot. So with that out of the way, now we're going to give plot holes more of a bird's eye look. So in my opinion, most plot holes are going to fall into one of four categories. First is poor audience tension and comprehension. So in this instance, you can do everything right. You can set up all the story details correctly. You can convey exactly the right amount of information at just the right time. You can maintain perfect storyline logic, and none of it's going to matter if your audience hasn't been paying attention. So this type of plot hole isn't technically a plot hole. I'm just including it here up front to acknowledge that it does exist and that just because your audience pokes holes in your story or creates holes where they didn't exist doesn't mean that you're necessarily absolved of plot hole responsibility. So in these circumstances, only you can know if those critical voices are worth paying attention to. If the majority of your audience seems to follow along just fine, then it's probable that the issue isn't with your story and there aren't actually plot holes that they're pointing to. But if your story feedback contains repeated expressions of confusion or questions about stuff that should make sense to them but doesn't, then you might want to revisit your material to ensure that everything you thought was on the page is really there. Because perception is what matters not your intent. And if the audience perceives, if, if, if a large majority of your audience, let's say, you know, upward of 30% of your audience is perceiving this thing, whatever it is, as a plot hole, then even if the material in, the, in your story is there to explain or counter or circumvent whatever it is they're arguing about, they're not picking up on it. So to them, it is a plot hole. And that's easy to fix. You just got to clarify it and make sure that the, that the information is conveyed in such a way that it's impossible to miss. Not really a plot hole, but still has to be treated as a plot hole. So the second type are unintentional slips in which the author mixes up or forgets details or loses track of their character or their objects in time, place, and space. An example of this type of plot hole would be if at the beginning of a scene, the author shows a character entering a room in which there's only one way in or out, and then pages later shows the character escaping through a back door that previously didn't exist. That's a plot hole. Uh, but it's, a, it's an unintentional slip. It's a small thing. Forgetting that a new element contradicts a previously introduced element would also fall under this type of plot hole. In my opinion, these types of errors barely count as plot holes. If left untouched, they do cause the story threads to unravel. But because they're nearly always scene-contained or scene-adjacent, meaning the changes to fix them won't cause ripple effects across the entire story, which then require other additional work to address and fix, they're nearly always really easy to correct, almost as easy to correct as basic mistakes of fact. For these fixes, for these um, plot holes, the fixes, they usually involve inserting, changing, or deleting bits of surrounding information to bring those errors into alignment with the story logic. And Anyone with the intelligence to follow this material also has the intelligence to figure that out on their own. So I'm not going to spend any time explaining 
how to do that. You're smart enough to figure that out. The next one, the third one, is unintentional or intentional errors due to the author being misinformed or uninformed about how the world works. So an example of one of these would be if a character is arrested for murder in a state whose laws prohibit pretrial release for those brought in on homicide charges, but the story itself relies on the character bonding out of jail to be able to escape assassins masquerading as detectives before they can reach him. So you have, it's a mistake due to not understanding how the world works to to create that kind of plot in an environment where that plot couldn't happen. And so plot hole, the, the example of the revolver, that would work here too in this type of unintentional or intentional errors due to misinformation or not being informed. And this would also include plot holes that are born out of incorrect, an incorrect understanding about medical procedures, laws, geography, history, technology, ecology, biology, and on and on and on and on, right? So these types of errors are definitely plot holes, but they're specialized plot holes, meaning that unless the audience has the knowledge to recognize the error as an error, the plot hole may go completely undetected. That doesn't make the plot hole harmless, though. So at the very least, that type of plot hole, it's going to riddle your story with cliches. At the worst, it's going to slip the attention of your beta readers and your copy editors and your editors, and you're going to end up being publicly eviscerated in reviews. The tragedy with misinformed and uninformed plot holes is that even the most basic fact-checking due diligence is enough to resolve them before they even become a thing on which the story turns. So because of this, it's been my experience, and this is just my personal experience, that with very strong exceptions for baby writers and debut, debut novelists who haven't yet discovered how high the expectations for facts within fiction really is, that so accepting people who just don't know, they can't know until they faced it head on. When these types of plot holes do arise, it's mostly because the author either unquestioningly accepts their limited understanding of how the world works as being correct in all things, and so therefore doesn't even consider confirming or double-checking, or it's an indifference to accuracy of fact. So it's either ignorance or indifference. That's what it boils down to. And the way I see it, if someone is that cocksure or that careless, then it's going to take a whole lot more than a tutorial to change things. So when it comes to figuring out how to prevent and fix these types of plot holes, this is all I can offer you. A, question your assumptions, especially the easy ones. B, if you're sure you know, double check. And this is especially critical for things that are perceived as common sense or everybody knows this or just generally accepted as fact. Those are the ones that you're almost guaranteed to get wrong. And C, recognize the high probability that you live in a thought bubble because almost all of us do. And the only way to pierce it is to be curious enough to look for other points of view that might be contrary to yours, explore them, and then you have at least a basic understanding of what you're dealing with, and you can say whatever you want to say, but you're not saying it out of ignorance, 
and you'll at least get your facts. The ones that you choose to use, you'll get those facts right. The fourth kind of plot hole is unintentional or intentional errors due to the author not fully thinking through all the potential repercussions, alternatives, ripple effects, and arguments against a particular action or detail. And this is not said in a disparaging way. It simply is we all do it, all of us, even the experts. We're usually able to eliminate those first three types of plot holes fairly easily. But it's this fourth one that gets us. An easy example here would be the classic plot hole that appears in the movie version, I know I'm saying movie version here, of Lord of the Rings, in which just as all hope of destroying the ring of power is lost, the eagles swoop in to save the day, blah, blah, blah. So the plot hole being that if the eagles could do this now at the end, why not do it earlier and spare all this agony and near death and near failure? You just call in the eagles, give them the ring, send them forth with it to Mount Doom, and presto changeo, there's peace in Middle Earth, and unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your point of view, no Lord of the Rings trilogy. So the story would not work if we fixed that error. That makes it a plot hole. These types of plot holes are big ones. These are the ones that can completely upend a story or cause it to fall apart. They're the ones in which you're halfway or even all the way through the first draft before you realize that the connections don't actually connect. They're the ones in which you hand off a finished draft to a beta reader who gingerly asks, but why didn't character X just do Y? And then you realize, holy crap, why not indeed? And you panic because without X, the story doesn't work and you've just wasted the last six months of your life on a worthless product. And now you're scrambling, trying to figure out if it's even salvageable. This is real author life. I think this is a really good place to stop. Um, we're, we're just about at time and my sense is you're getting ready to transition into some rules and turn this show in a different direction. So let's pick that up with the next episode. Okay, cool. Well, thank you guys for being here with us this week for this part of it. And I'm looking forward to you being with us next week and, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. So thanks for being here.